way of holiness. I may not, I may not finish this tonight. Uh, I'm going to watch the time, and uh, I'll let you out in a timely manner. Amen. I don't know what that'll be, but it'll be timely. Let me brag on Wallace Reeds just for a moment. This is a giving church. How many know this is a giving church? Amen. God has blessed this church. And we had district conference last week, and they recognized different categories of giving. And there's, there's Mother's Memorial, which is our ladies. There's Save Our Children, which represents children's ministry. Uh, Christmas for Christ is our North American missions. There's our um, Sheaves for, or Move the Mission, which is our, our youth department. And every year, I, I try to give uh, out, of, out of different avenues, try to increase our offering. But listen to this. Out of over 200 churches in Louisiana, Wallace Rich, total combined giving, that's everything we give Back, it's really not everything we give because some of what we give is not recorded through uh, headquarters through the Vatican up in St. Louis. But uh, number seven in the state of Louisiana out of over 200 in total giving. That is remarkable. And we only missed the number five spot by $10,000. And so I got a little competitive nature in me, and I just feel like we can, we can just increase just a little bit this year. And I, I just know that God is going to continue the blessing. Uh, next week will be our Mission Sunday. Uh, I want you, if you have made those mission pledges, please remember uh, sometimes we don't highlight missions on that first Sunday of the month. You don't have to give it on that Sunday. You can give it any time, but please be faithful in your missions pledges. And coming up here at the end of April, beginning of May, we'll have our legacy offering, and I'll be speaking more of that. Be in prayer uh, what the Lord would have you uh, give in our legacy offering. Uh, we have so enjoyed the ministry of Brother Welch. Haven't you enjoyed having the Welches with us? Amen. They will be with us one more Sunday night. This coming up Sunday, I will be ministering in Dallas, Texas, uh, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and uh, have not have not missed. I think this is might be my third Sunday night to miss to preach out, but I felt like um, the Lord would want me to stay, so He will be here, and I know that God's people will be in the house of the Lord this Sunday. Amen. The Bible says, "And highways shall be there, and a way." And it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men, though fools, shall not err therein. Lord bless you. You may be seated. You've heard me say it every time, and I'll begin tonight by saying it again. The way of holiness is not a low way. It's a high way. Holiness, the intent and the purpose of holiness is to cause you to rise above your peers, to rise above your flesh, to rise above temptation, holiness. 
That low way is vindictive. It's self-serving. It's carnal. But the, the high way, the way that those that are going to go to the new Jerusalem are going to walk, it's going to be a way that rises above everything your flesh wants to do. And we've explored several aspects of holiness, and I want to continue tonight to speak on inward holiness. Because if the inside is not right, then it doesn't matter what the outside looks like. Amen? When we speak of inward holiness, we're speaking of matters of the heart. And there are two avenues whereby things enter into the heart. Two ways. The, the eyes and the ears are the two ways things get to your heart. When speaking to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 15, they were so worried about people eating without washing their hands. I believe that's sanitary to do so, but it's not something you do for salvation. They were doing it for salvation. And Jesus told them, y'all got this thing all wrong. Y'all are worried about what goes into the belly, about that defiling a man. But he said in verse 11, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. How does stuff get into our heart? If it comes out of our heart, then there has to be a way it comes into our heart. And it is through what we see and what we hear. Matthew 6, says, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. It says if, there, if your eye be single, that literally means if your eye is fixed on something, if it's locked in on something, if it's straight on looking at one thing, but it says if it's evil, that literally means a bad eye constantly darting away from the objective. There's a reason the writer said in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Because if we keep our eye fixed upon him, he is that light that penetrated the darkness. If we keep our eyes locked on him, then we're not going to be looking astray at the things of the world. We're not going to have our attention pulled away to the things that would try to hinder us. That's why Paul said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forth in those things which are before. Hey, friend, you got to keep your eye on the prize, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Somebody shout Amen. If we want to be full of light, we need to make certain that our focus is on the light. If Satan cannot destroy you, listen, 
if he cannot destroy you, he will distract you. Anybody know what it's like to get distracted? Now we got diagnosis for that. It's called ADD, ADHD. When I was a kid, it was called BAD. And you know how they, fi they fix that? With a B-E-L-T. Not a sandwich. There was an E in there. I'm one of those that I'll start something in my office and as I start it, I'll be thinking about something and I'll just jump to that. Then I'll go to that and look, I need to go to this over here. Let me rearrange the books up here. Let me, and I just spend time walking around my office and getting nothing done. You ever went to bed and, and you just went, now what did I get done today? I'm wore out. I must have done something, but I didn't accomplish anything. Because there's a difference between activity and accomplish. And Satan's agenda is for you to miss heaven. So he's got more than one weapon that he uses. If he can't destroy you, he'll try to distract you if it means the end result is the same. We're constantly bombarded with distractions. Nothing more than bait that tries to lure our eyes away from the light. This is what Job said. I have made a covenant with my eyes. They used to say you can't stop the birds from flying overhead, but you can stop them from making a nest. You know, you can't control everything you see. You can't. I mean, you can go to Walmart and see everything pretty much under the sun walking around. They, walk, they, they shop in every aisle but the aisle with the mirrors. Obviously, if they'd looked in a mirror, they wouldn't have put on the clothes that they had on. You, you, you know, you got to go to the grocery store. There's, there's certain aspects of life you can't avoid. You, you can't stop the birds from flying over, but you can stop them from making a nest, which means you don't have to dwell there. You, you can control how you react. I can promise you, Bathsheba wasn't the first person that David saw bathing. The difference was he'd made a nest. And because he allowed what his eyes saw to begin to, to dominate his mind, the wheels were put in motion that would begin the loss of that child. Lot didn't pitch his tent in Sodom. He pitched it toward Sodom. Perhaps the allurement of walking out of that tent door every day 
seeing Sodom and Gomorrah proved to be too strong. I don't think that Lot moved his tent into Sodom at once. I just think he moved a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. People don't end up in Sodom overnight. You say, well, pastor, there may not be, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with this. There are things that are not necessarily wrong. But as a pastor, I'm looking at what direction the tent is pitched. I'm looking at where is that tent going to face. And I've seen parents pitch the tent a certain way to appease their young person. And it wasn't but just a few years later that that young person wasn't even in church because the allurement of where that tent was facing. Mama and daddy stayed because they were strong enough to handle it. But that young person didn't stay because the allurement of where that tent was pitched and where it was facing proved to be too great. You gotta make a covenant with your eyes. Because this is what, this is how stuff gets into the heart. This, this day in which we live. Anybody ever heard of the, the, now, I guess it's still around, I don't know, MTV? Anybody have a TV? I didn't have a TV. I had a, we had a monitor with a cable in it. We didn't have a TV. You'll get that when you go to bed tonight. We couldn't have a TV, so we had a monitor with a cable in the back of it. Then they said, no, we don't have TV. We have satellite. And I read a book, and it talked about MTV. And this is what the, the higher-ups in MTV said. They said, we're not aiming for adults. We're aiming for kids because if we can get them when they're young, we'll have them when they're adults. Let me, get, let me tell you the result. Parents that let their kids watch it, I couldn't watch it. I mean, my, my mom would skin my hide back in the day. Yes, she would. But now that generation that was raised on MTV is your lawmakers. They're the ones in political offices. And so their plan worked. But it took 40 years, because that started in the early 80s. It took 40 years to see it come to pass. And now, they're a crooked and a warped generation. How did their hearts get so messed up? Their eyes. Their ears because they were watching music videos and they were listening to the ungodly music that came out of that. And, and now they're corrupt. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not labeling all of them, so don't think. There's good lawmakers. There's righteous people. Even if they're not baptized in Jesus' name, God's, the Bible says the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he turneth it whithersoever he will. So God has, God has people in place to balance out evil. Okay? What's the tribulation? The tribulation is when God removes the balance 
and removes the church and evil runs rampant in the world. Okay? So there was a day when they had one device to preach against. That was a television. Anybody remember those days? Preach it so hot, you couldn't have a television. And I'm not condemning. I'm not condemning. Please, you got to listen to me. I'd rather deal with a church full of people who only had a TV. That would make my job a whole lot easier. We cannot, now this is me, okay? So if you hear brother so-and-so saying something different, I'm telling you, this is me. I cannot preach against devices because I will weary myself as technology expands chasing devices. You've got to preach the principle, which is what David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Because if you preach and practice the principle, they can have a thousand different devices and it's not going to affect you because you're guided by the principle of protecting my eyes and my ears. Amen. I'm going to just say this. Your phone has way more capability to ruin your life than your television ever did. Just telling you. I'm not saying everybody needs to run out and go buy a TV. Okay? Like they say, the first thing I did when I get to the hotel was put a blanket over the television. But after a while, I had to come up for air because it got so hot. So I'm not, I'm not telling you to go buy one. I'm telling you it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. If the heart's right, you can have 10 TVs going at one time and it's not going to bother you. Now let me tell you where it becomes wrong. If all you do is lay up in front of a screen and you don't keep your devotion to the Lord, but that applies to anything. You could be sowing and still be wrong if all you do is give that your time. Okay, it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. So let's, let's talk a little bit. In 2008, adults spend an average of 18 minutes on their phone per day. That's almost unimaginable today. 18 minutes per day on their phone. In 2015, they were spending two hours and 48 minutes per day. This is the last statistic I saw, 2015, eight years ago. I can tell you now it probably has doubled in eight years. The shift to mobile devices is dangerous because a device that travels with you is a, always a better vehicle for addiction. You want to find out how addicted you are to your phone? Give it to your spouse or your child and say, hold this for a couple of days. 
you'll find out real quick how addicted you are to your phone. Because now it's not just a phone. It's our banking system. It's our shopping system. It's our network of our life. Now, if you still, if, you, if you've got the flip phone, don't get rid of it. Because let me tell you what you'll trade in when you get rid of that flip phone. Peace of mind. Hold on to that thing. But with technology, it makes it so easy to sin in private. Yep. Anything you want to see. Now, I'm fixing to set the plow. Okay. Anything you want to see, you can see it on that phone. Anything. And don't you think for a second the people that run web pages of, of wrong things, they know how to word it to where if you make one misspell word in that website, it's going to take you somewhere you didn't think you was going. Now, parents, I love our young people. I think we've got the greatest group of young people. Now, I'm going to walk over here because I love them. I don't want them to think I'm throwing them under the bus because I'm not. And this hitting all of them. This is, the, this is a good chunk of them. But as good as they are, and they're great, I love their worship. I love their prayer. I love them. There's some over here. They're scattered. But you cannot forget they're young people. They will lie to your hide to save their own. I'm not, I don't want to look at them because I don't want anybody to think, I don't want any of them to think that I'm singling them out because I'm not. I'm putting them all in the same, I'm throwing them all under the bus at one time, okay? They'll lie to you. You know how I know? I was a young person. You were a young person. Anybody ever lie to save your hide? No, come on now. That's got to be everybody in here. At some point in your life, you did. Now, I want you to think about this. I'm going slow. I, I ain't even really got going yet. If you, knowing your struggles at, in your life, if you had a phone when you were their age with the struggles you have now, what would your life be like? I'm not, I'm not just hammering on them. I want you to put yourself in their shoes for a young person to live for God today. It takes way more effort than it did 30 years ago for a young person to live for the Lord. So I commend them for still being faithful to the house of God. If you want to find one area that I'm going to have an abundance of mercy. It's going to be in the youth department. They're not perfect. I don't expect them to be perfect. And I realize 
Probably every one of them have a phone or a tablet in their possession. Probably. I'm going to just tell you this. You can lock that thing up tighter than Fort Knox, you think. But they'll find a way around it. They will. And they won't tell you that they found the way around it. That's the point. I've got Brother Aaron. He's a hundred times smarter than I am. He's making a guide that I'm going to give you parents. May already have it done. I don't know if he does or not. And it's going to be a way that you can walk through their device and make certain that it's as locked as locked can be. Okay? And I'm going to give it to every one of you parents. Now, what do you do with it? That's up to you. But I'm going to at least give you a guide to go through that phone, and your young people are probably not going to like it. But I'm called to protect them spiritually. So i got to do everything I can to help you protect them spiritually. A child is not born with a desire for technology. That's a learned behavior. Children, when they're, when, when they're born, they don't know what technology is. Their natural desire is eat, sleep, use bathroom. That's the three things in life that you do. You come in the world in diapers, you leave the world in diapers. But what's happened is technology has fed this boredom mentality. Nobody wants to be bored. So what do they do when they are bored? They grab a device to stimulate their mind. They don't want to be distracted by anything. So what happens when a kid's screaming? You introduce them to something that will keep their attention. And we're living in a world where it's driven by a screen. It's driven by a screen. You got screens in your home, at your job. You got them in your vehicle. Screens everywhere. You got iPads, iPhones, computers, laptops, television. Everything is screen related. Why? Because it's trying to get your eyes. It's trying to get your eyes. Children don't know how to socialize because they always have to have something engaging them instead of them engaging with other people. Do you realize we're living in the this day in which we live? We have the most socially awkward people. They don't know how to have a conversation. They don't know how to talk to somebody. Because they're always being engaged with a screen. They don't know how to just, hey, how you doing? My name's so-and-so. And just talk. 
Now it's like you get on an elevator and it's like, don't talk, don't talk. I want to talk. I want to meet people. Maybe that's just me. I don't, I, but, but we, it, screens have robbed social skills. Social media has robbed people from good grammar. Nobody knows how to spell. They don't know how to type. They don't know how to use punctuation. If you're one of those, I'm not picking on you. I'm, I'm really not. My mother was my English teacher for years. Well, I just better get back to my notes. <laughs> Screens have robbed children of their imagination. Now, let me talk to people that knew what it was like to grow up without a screen. You know what you had? You had sticks in the yard, and you had cowboys and Indians, and you had an imagination. You had trains and robbers and except whatever you, you had an imagination. Well, now kids don't have an imagination. Why? Because the screens have robbed their imagination. They don't know how to just go play. You know, we had when we was a kid, bikes. Bikes. We just rode. We could only ride to the stop sign, which was about the width of this sanctuary from my house, back and forth for hours to the stop sign and back to the stop sign. We were cops. We were motorcycle officers. We had an imagination. Screens. I'm moving slow for a reason here. Because I'm trying to let some stuff sink in. Parents, I don't know how, I, I don't know how many, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to embarrass anybody. One of the dangers that our children are facing right now is Video games. It started so simple with Mario. Boing, boing, boing. Mario's long gone. Now there's a network. When, when your child gets on video games, they can get online and put on a headset and they can escape to a virtual world with friends they don't know all the way around the world. And if you'll start looking at some of the games that they're playing, they are filled with graphic violence, killing, language, but it's not about the game as much as it's about the addiction that is developing. Let me tell you how bad it is. There are game developers that are literally pulling their games from the market because they've begun to feel remorseful. Not because their games feature sex or violence, but because they're devilishly addictive. Their game developers are pulling their games because they have realized our content isn't what we're sorry for. It's the fact that we are causing teenagers to become addicted. 
So now you have 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds whose world consists of sitting in front of screens playing games. It's not a real world. It's a fake world that they're putting real money into. And a lot of these games don't have an end. Do you think that's coincidence? No, because they keep coming out with a new part, a new part, because it's, it's, it's addicting. If you start tracing a lot of these shooters that happened throughout the years, they all have something in common. Most of them were gamers. It's the eye. It's the ear. It's what got into their heart. I'm coming to a close pretty soon. But tell you what else has messed up society through a screen. Social media. Social media. There is such a danger in apps. Instagram. Facebook. I don't even know if anybody in this church has Twitter, so I may not even waste time on Twitter. Anybody know what Twitter is? You? Okay. I'll hit it anyway. What happens is we measure our self-worth by likes and follows. And if people don't like our stuff and follow us, our confidence starts going down and down and down. And people are messed up psychologically. How many people check your phone one of the first things you do in the morning? A lot of us. Such a habit. Just to check the phone. Check the phone. But there's apps. Parents that you may not even know about. That your child can hide on their phone. And I'm going to say this. Because a lot of them don't think I know. And I've got righteous indignation when I say this. I've asked that nobody have Snapchat. And yet I got a bunch of young people sitting over here that have it hidden on their phone. And parents don't even know they got it. And it's wreaking havoc in the church. So young person, if you got Snapchat, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, you need to get rid of Snapchat. And parents, if you try to defend them, then you're out of line. Because the devil is wreaking havoc through Snapchat in the church. I tell you right now, and I'm, I'm turn, the, turn the thing off, whatever it is, live stream. This is just between us. I love every single one of them. I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't think I have to keep qualifying that. I love them. But let me tell you something, parents. It blow your mind what kind of pornographic content comes across their phones throughout the day. I'm not saying they're going to web pages because pornographic content is flowing through different apps. It don't have to go through a web page. It can be swapped from different apps to different apps, from text messages, all this kind of stuff. And you don't even know it. You think little Susie don't even know what none of that stuff is. Let me tell you, Susie learned it at school. Johnny learned it at school. No matter how much you bring them to church, there's a world out there that doesn't want them to live for God. 
and they're doing everything they can to destroy them. I'm asking you to go to their phone and you better tell them. You tell them if they lie to you, the wrath of God's going to come on them. I don't want anybody having Snapchat because it is wreaking havoc in the kingdom of God because those pictures can be erased. As soon as you open them, they could be erased. And somebody said amen. amen. Pornography is not just websites you go to. They're sending it through everything now. The enemy is not stupid. Amen. We're the ones that got our heads in the sand acting like it's not going to visit our house. It's done showed up at your house. Hallelujah. Parents, I'm the watchman on the wall. You're the one over your home. When I do my part, it's off of me. It's on you now. And you need to have some hard, serious conversations. You need to yank their screens, any screen they got, and you go through it without them even knowing. Because I can tell you right now, every one of these young people know how to hide stuff on their phone. They know how to get around everything. And they may not like me, and that's fine. If they make it to heaven, then that's all that matters to me. I love every one of them. Bible, stand with me. I, I, I'm not going to finish. We'll have to. We'll have to finish this another night. Bible says the hearing ear and the seeing eye. The Lord hath made even both of them. Both the ears and the eyes can be used for good, or can be used for evil. Man, musicians, you could come. So what determines how they're used? Your heart. Your heart. Your heart will tell you, turn that off. You don't need to listen to that. You don't need to watch that. Or your heart will tell you, it's all right. Nobody knows. Nobody's going to hear. You know, there was a day. There was a day. If you wanted to go buy a dirty magazine, men or ladies, it don't matter. You had to go to a store and be embarrassed to ask for one over the counter. Don't act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But you, now, you know what's so convenient now? You can do it and nobody knows. You got it in your pocket. Pull your phone out. You don't have to go in public. You want to listen to music? You can listen whenever you want on your phone. You can do whatever you want. You want to talk about somebody? Talk about somebody on your phone. Phones. Tablets.
tablets. We could say that they are destroying people. They're not. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. There's a highway called the way of holiness. And when you walk that way, your heart has to rise above what your flesh wants. Your ears have to rise above what your flesh wants. Amen. I want us to come to this altar tonight. I want, I want the Holy Ghost to speak to our hearts.